0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Be Real Guys, your favorite neighborhood movie reviewing podcast, full of arguments and pseudo intellectualism. I'm Chance Solemn-Pfeiffer.
1: and I'm Noah Ballard. Hey, buddy. And this is Be Real Guys. Yeah, hey. Yes, it is. What'd you do today? You get? You said you got rid of some furniture.
0: I got rid of some furniture. I uh put some strong some thoughts together for this podcast yeah yeah Um, how
1: is the um how's the mood of the move like what's the overall like are are things still relatively the move mood mood. how's morale
0: (laughs) morale is pretty decent it's nice to get rid of things just an just an awkward amount of of time here you've moved before and like on, a, you've done a big move. You've you've moved I to sure Lincoln and back to the East Coast twice. Um, sometimes what do you mean it's twice, best, or you moved here and then moved back. I mean, yeah. yeah but when college. I moved there,
1: it was for college, so I had like one checked bag and like you know a check from my mother to buy the
0: rest. What CDs did you bring? That's way more interesting.
1: I. The What I was listening to on my way to Lincoln, I remember distinctly, my friend Lauren got me a copy of Rilo Kylie's Takeoffs and Landings, and my God, that could have mm. not been a more appropriate as someone who was hoping <laughs> to find themselves by traveling out west, and Go Ahead I Did.
0: Well, that's good. That's a good record. It's a yeah, it's somewhat a good disheartening album, yeah. record, though. Ultimately, um, I, think. I mean,
1: I live I live pretty in the gray, so I'm most of the music <laughs> I listen to is like pretty dark. Right. As Chance was saying earlier, we are your household movie podcast, um, except with bad words. And every, That's... you know, 10 days or so, we get together and we discuss three films of a similar genre Uh, this week we decided to do movies about writers and like specifically like historical writers who have lived and not just Mm -hmm. like the writer archetype. Right. Um, But then as we, they have lived and they did die. Right. But then as I, after I watched all three of these movies, I decided that the genre was more uh, boring movies about predominantly white creative upper class dealing with chronic ennui.
0: That's uh, that's not bad Three movies that Struggle in different ways To put people in front of cameras Who would never ever have wanted to go in front of cameras In actual life um, Oh
1: you're talking about the writers that they yes That are in the movies? Interesting An interesting thesis, I'm excited to work that out with you
0: um, Should we talk about our grading scale real quick? Remind people?
1: Yeah, our grading scale is four gradients Chance, yes. you want to
0: I can do this uh, There are two The first one, it's either good or bad on both of them, but the first one refers to the technical quality and execution. The second one refers to uh, compulsive watchability and entertainment value. So a good, good movie would be like... Uh,
1: The Departed.
0: And a good, bad movie would be like... Uh, Schindler's List. And a bad, good movie would be like...
1: Um, really any Kurt Russell movie made between 1983 and
0: 1994 And a bad, bad movie, I want to shout out, uh, someone An old, an old friend texted, uh, who'd listened to the podcast And was just like, hey, I've got an example of a bad, bad movie for you And I was thinking, she wanted me to watch this But she just had a great example And that is Jungle to Jungle starring (laughs) Starring Tim Allen
1: Oh, that, that is, that is tough to watch
0: which yeah. we had watched in high school, thinking, of course, that it would be bad good, which was not.
1: <laughs> I felt similarly uh, when I was home a couple of weeks ago. I saw um, just like about 10 minutes of, um, uh, oh, shit. What's that movie? with? It's a superhero movie with Billy Zane, and he's in that purple suit.
0: Ooh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what that's called. Uh, the Phantom. There you go.
1: And that is, I think, one of like the more despicable movies I've ever seen. Mm. The movies we picked this week uh, topically was um, The End of the Tour, uh, chronicling uh, David Lipsky and David Foster Wallace's uh, couple-day road trip at the end of the Infinite Jest book tour.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Howl, uh, starring James Franco, last week's favorite, uh, as Allen Ginsberg, uh, dealing with... Uh, you know, like a lawsuit and also just like living in his fucked up mind for about 90 minutes. Yep. And then uh, The Hours, which is about Virginia Woolf and two other women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like suicide and stuff. Before we begin, uh, I'd like to... What keeps us on the air are our generous sponsorships. And this week we have, uh, just like we did last week, have another generous sponsor.
0: Mm, those airways are competitive, so thank you, sponsor. Go ahead.
1: Let me just take a breath. Be Real Guys is brought to you today by books. You know, stories written down in bound form that gives your brain a happy, entertained feeling, like watching TV, or a movie, or music. But it's different it's books, words. <laughs> Copyright pages, titles, narratives, world building, setting, plot, dialogue, themes, motifs, conflict, cultural commentary, pacing, structure, irony, politics, intentions, stakes, voice, rising action, climax, denouement, resolutions, epilogues, prologues, epigrams, footnotes, indexes, glossaries, front and back matter, endpapers, spines, copyright pages, ISBNs, list prices, review coverage, author blurbs, and a goddamn cover. You know, books. Yeah, thanks, books. Uh, thanks for
0: all the centuries of work. I don't, I don't know if we. I, I, mean, I know you won't feel great about this, Noah. Like, don't know if we need them, but right. <laughs> we sure, we sure do have a lot of them.
1: If this podcast is any indication, we certainly <laughs> don't. Oh, um, I can't wait for books, movies to join. Right, I can't wait till books are you know more like movies. So anyway, where should we start, Chance? You want to start with the end of the tour?
0: I say that we do, yeah. As you, this just came out uh, last month on the coast and just now. Four hours ago in Omaha. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. Uh, And as you mentioned, uh, it chronicles the interview that Rolling Stone writer David Lipsky did with David Foster Wallace on the last few days of his Infinite Jest book tour in right. the mid-90s. Um, and David Lipsky is portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg. David Foster Wallace is played by Jason Segel. And it is about their relationship, heavily based on uh, the Lipsky's memoir, although, of course, you end up Becoming Yourself, which was published in 2010 after David Foster Wallace died. And uh, yeah, you should go from there. When I think of this trip, I see David and me in the front seat of his car. He wants something better than he has. I want precisely what he has already.
1: The big draw of this movie is Jason Segel.
0: I would agree. His performance is... um, Touching and so so heartfelt And when you When you talk about When you talk as people do in like Biopics about like an actor Like disappearing into what you Presume to be a real person That's that's kind of what this was Right I don't see I don't see him anywhere in this At a certain point
1: Right Yeah I mean I think that I mean I've heard a couple interviews with uh, Jason Segel was on Mark Maron uh, A couple weeks ago when the movie was first released Yeah and he's just like He's simpatico with old uh, David Foster Wallace there. Like, he really does, I think, believe in, like, his sort of life philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I think that's... Because Jason Siegel's like, already kind of, like, that kind of dude. It's just sort of, like, a goofy, lovable genius who doesn't really understand social cues. So, it wasn't, like, a huge <laughs> leap for him right. to then play, like, who happens to write books.
0: Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, you could kind of see, like, if you'd watched Jason Siegel stuff before, I mean, it, it seems like an odd casting choice, but then, like, if you've seen him in, like, I Love You, Man, or Forgetting Sarah Marshall, it's the same warmth that makes it not yeah. a stretch but at it, all. But
1: that's not to say that he is not working very hard in this movie, because I feel like he. this it's is the, definitely the best performance I've ever seen him give, like, maybe second only to... Him on Freaks and Geeks because he was so Brilliant on Freaks and Geeks
0: Okay and then in contrast how what did you Make of Eisenberg's performance
1: I mean Eisenberg was like doing his best Eisenberg I mean he was He just gets so typecast as like the nevishy Jewish like Sort of like art Person You know right. I mean he basically was Grown up Jeff Daniels Kid from Squid and the Whale In this movie <laughs> Like with the clothes, he starts every to sentence mash. with like.
0: No, 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 no. Yeah, yes, no, yes, of course.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, he's a veritable yep. like.
0: And 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 how do you write? No, 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 no. But how do you write? What's a book?
1: Oh, he was so abrasive in this. Well, that's what I thought was sort of good about. I don't know. I, I almost felt like this fun chemistry between the two of them, in that they were like constantly trying to outdo each other. Right. And I thought that, like, maybe didn't make for, like, the best movie, but certainly made for, like, a pretty entertaining, like, what, 90 minutes?
0: Yeah. I have written down that the first half an hour of their, like, meeting together, because uh, Lipsky comes from New York to meet uh, David Foster Wallace at his house in, what, Bloomington, Illinois? Is that what it is? Yeah. the first like half an hour of their meeting is basically like an edgy conversation where they like critique each other's word choice. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think you, you hit the phrase that is the big one for me, um, which is like, how does this work as a movie? Because I think the best moments of it, i found myself aware were Siegel doing his jason Siegel thing but the best moments were actually like lines and things that david foster wallace like actually said himself which you could basically get these
1: were all it's all based on recordings so it's not like they took any artistic license like most of it is just like verbatim dialogue
0: Uh uh-huh it's an interview transcript like right kind of recited in interesting ways like that's I I found myself wishing there are a few moments in this movie um and if if you've seen it you you know the moment I'm talking about when he he come DFW is like sort of paranoid and comes into the kitchen where Eisenberg has been asking an old grad school friend of his if they can if he can interview her and he's just like hey I need you to stop hitting On Sarah Like just be a good person And then there's that moment at the end Where he like kind of rises up And becomes intimidating Because he's mad that Lipsky's asking him about uh, Drug use rumors But there are only a few I cite those moments Because there's only a few times Where I think that Jason Segel Actually has to like Act in the sense of like Being really present um, And like inflecting an emotion I don't think you know, actually.
1: You know that they're gonna show that like thirty second scene of him like in the door frame of his guest bedroom, like doing yeah. that whole thing like like right before they say like and the Oscar goes to, kind right. of thing. Like right. I don't know. Like he has some like pretty. Gr- I thought he hit some like such interesting notes. I thought he was acting throughout. But continue your thought.
0: Okay, well, how about this? I really found myself wondering if you were not already interested in David Foster Wallace and basically how this sort of like recent, like somewhat recently canonized figure would right. be like on screen. I kind of wondered if the movie, like as a narrative, did, did enough to make an unfamiliar person care, you know? Um, right. And I'm
1: definitely coming into this as somebody who cared. Me so. too, yeah.
0: You said that David Foster Wallace is basically the antagonist of this movie. Well, and he is. he is. I really wish the movie would have done, maybe just put a little bit more on Lipsky's plate and maybe had Eisenberg like settle down. To me, it was kind of like, you know, it was like watching Clarice Starling talk to Hannibal Lecter. If, like, you didn't care that much about Clarice Starling. Like, Hannibal right. Lecter, certainly still interesting, but, like, we need this, we need the other person, um, the vehicle who's going to be affected by this kind of mysterious antagonist to. Yeah,
1: but, like, is such an asshole.
0: Yeah, but I think they could have.
1: I think they well, could have done I, I'm more. A, I'm kind of agreeing with you. Like, I think, like, the problem with this movie is that it. Lipsky is the protagonist, DFW is the antagonist, but nobody told anybody, like in the production of this film, that
0: because like
1: you're rooting for Foster Wallace, but like you're seeing everything through the lens of Lipsky
0: exactly like
1: not a terribly interesting or three-dimensional character
0: you're totally right I'm in total agreement with you and and I see why they made the movie this way because the movie from Foster Wallace's perspective would be weird and a million times easier to screw up but the uh, what I don't what I you're right what I don't think it understood is that we need to identify with Lipsky and right. he's he is strange you know it starts with his it starts with David Foster Wallace's death with Lipsky finding out about his suicide um, because that's supposed to be like a really meaningful moment of what we presume is this guy's like decade after the interview character development, but that doesn't really land for me.
1: Well, I mean, if you have like one of these like heart of darkness type movies, you know, you have to have like the, the character that you sympathize with. So then like when things get crazy in this weird world that he, like some other person's world he goes into. Yep it, like, you almost, like, you still have a foot in the real world, Mm -hmm. so you can appreciate, like, what's happening, but I just never really, like, even as someone who is, like, in publishing and living in New York, I still didn't really, (laughs) like, identify with him. Yeah. I mean... Even as someone who's like a subject to petty jealousy, I didn't really connect to him for some reason. And that's really like, only, like one of my two emotions.
0: <laughs> What's this story about in your
1: mind? Just what it's like to be the most talked about writer in the country, that sort of thing.
0: You're like a nervous guy, huh? <laughs> no, 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 I'm okay. How are you? Because I'm terrified. Well,
1: I mean, well, that's where this movie kind of like salvages to me in the narrative. And made it like watchable because like the I did find it interesting. The question of, was he going out there to meet David Foster Wallace and like just bring him down a few notches or is the purpose of it for him to like, you know, grab onto David Foster Wallace's shoulders and like pull himself up? And I think that duality in the character ultimately makes him like a pretty good sounding board. Mm hmm. So that's where I think the movie kind of saves itself. But yes, the David Lipsky you sort of interact with in the quote-unquote real world is not a terribly interesting character.
0: You're right. I think it is watchable. Because I think oh, yeah in, in the absence of... I really wish it would have done more kind of like pipe-laying and overarching work. But this is a movie that is going for moments and it goes for them over and right. over and over again and the ones that work work really well and it's it's kind of just like it's just like shooting at a bullseye over right. and the and ones over that again. don't
1: I feel like you don't remember them
0: yeah because there are so so many so right. it's it's watchable for all the reasons we talked about but yeah for me I'm gonna call it bad good
1: yeah I mean I think what's gonna happen if I can predict a little bit is I mean, Siegel's definitely going to get nominated, and then if he wins, it'll be this movie will be like weirdly canonized, I think, as just mm-hmm. like a like a quintessential like sort of like indie good movie, yeah, and then in like ten years, people will come back to it and be like, well, it was it was all right, but like it wasn't that great. Yeah, so, but I think it's ultimately bad good
0: Cool. Well, we're in agreement. Um, yeah but it's so been, bad it's been... good.
1: like I definitely recommend people see it.
0: Yeah, I would say so too.
1: Especially if would... you're interested in like the myth-making of American publishing.
0: Yeah, so Bad Good From Us, what do you want to do next? I'll let you pick, Chance. So we're going to talk about the 2002 movie The Hours, which right. uh, was directed by Stephen Daldry, uh, based on a book by Michael Cunningham. And c- God, can I call like not it on trying to synopsize this?
1: oh man okay okay so
0: yeah you go ahead i'm gonna try my best i'm gonna be so sympathetic to you thank you
1: three different women
0: this life it's what i've always wanted i had an idea of our happiness each living a lie for your sake Leonard, i could be happy in
1: this quietness
0: each putting someone else's life good morning mrs dalloway first
1: that is what we do that is what people do they stay alive for each other what about your own life so basically this movie has three narratives one is nicole kidman playing virginia wolf in her like last days as she's like uh finishing Mrs. Dalloway, her most famous novel. And I don't know if the history lines up like she like finished Mrs. Dalloway and then killed herself like the following morning. I feel like but,
0: not, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like not too, but we'll have to we'll have to fact-check that one later. Um so she's finishing Mrs. Dalloway, and then like it cuts to Julianne Moore in the 1950s. Who's like this housewife with this like weird like emotionally damaged kid yeah. and John C. Riley is just like you know just a dude trying to hang out
0: and he yeah. like he's just going- his Chicago character settled down right he's Mr. Cellophane
1: he's he's pretty happy about getting like a birthday cake on his birthday made by his wife and that's like the highlight of his life yeah He's that kind of guy. So there, and then she, like, she's, well, like, I mean, that's the, going back to our genre, it's like people dealing with chronic sadness, basically, is, yes. is the, the genre here, especially in the hours, where it's basically three women who have, like, either perceived horrible things happen to them, which, like, all include some sort of, like, lesbian thing. Mm-hmm. Or, like, some sort of, like, connection to a suicide. And then, like, the the two plots with, uh, oh, and then the third plot is, I'm killing this. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: no, it's the, okay.
1: The third plot is with Meryl Streep, and she's throwing a party for, because, like, that's the plot of Mrs. Dalloway. She's throwing a party. Right. That's the conceit
0: of the book. For AIDS um, Harris. So, for, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> that was great. Um okay. Yeah, she's throwing up a, like a an, like a, a party for Ed Harris, who's this famous artist, presumably, but he has AIDS and he's dying, and they're trying to like honor him before he passes, which seems imminent.
0: Your aunt's a very lucky woman, Angelica, because she has two lives. She has the life she's leading, also the book she's writing. Missus Dalloway said she'd buy the flowers. Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. Sally, I think I'll buy the flowers myself.
1: Well, okay, before I get into my feelings about the hours, uh-huh. this movie is, like, pretty critically acclaimed. It is beloved. This movie is beloved, which was surprising considering that it is just... It's just the most pretentious piece of shit that I've ever seen. Um... Like, how many scenes can they be, like, just talking obscurely on, like, the verge of tears? Like, that's every scene in the movie is two characters, like, basically doing emotional battle with each other on the verge of tears. And then, like, you get one piece of information. Like, spoiler alert, the fucked up kid that Julianne Moore had in her, like, little plot is Ed Harris as a boy. And then, like, Julianne Moore's, like, in the movie way later, still looking younger than Ed Harris, but his mother, presumably. Yes. But, like, for no real—like, what's the point of this movie, man?
0: sir, like I I couldn't even be upset or annoyed because I felt like I was coming to class, like, mid-semester, and I just hadn't done any of the reading. And I don't mean because I haven't read Michael Cunningham's book or haven't read Mrs. Dalloway— but, like, it was that level of being perplexed. Like, I, the the best way I can describe pretentiousness is a fine word. It took me... There's no entry point to this movie. Right. When, when you... I've, and I don't... It's not something I'm really conscious of. But, like, you know, you put on a movie and, like, you see... You don't need people to toss exposition at you right away. You know, you sit back and you wait for, like, what's the first thing that's going to, like, make me feel like I can get into this. Doesn't right. happen.
1: You got to give us something and this movie does not.
0: I would watch uh Nicole Kidman and Stephen DeLane. Um I kind of just wish it was more so like Stanis? a stri- Yeah, I wish it was just more of a straight up biopic cuz some of their scenes together were good and I almost felt bad cuz there's there's the train station scene where you know Virginia Woolf is struggled with um a lifetime of uh, mental illness, and like if you right. know about like feminist writing from the time, like that was often like made way worse by the treatments for it, um, and how it was considered um, in that world of the early twentieth century. But yeah, she's leaving, and Stephen Delane's just like you have to like they were having a really like nice moment, but there's so little time for that story right. in the movie that he's just it's, like yelling yeah. her uh, medical chart. At her and I was just like I just wish This could have been like a, a Nice movie about um Two people like in a really Flawed sort of Love in a time right. When you like It was really fucking hard to be in love Because of how men and women related to each other And like writing and it could have been fine But god
1: I mean then you have like Bright Star in your hand which is a Terrible movie What's that? The one about um, Keats, big poet Keats, dead by twenty-four.
0: Mm. My life has been stolen from me. But do you know you have an obligation to your own sanity. I am attended by doctors. Everywhere. I am attended by doctors who inform me of my own interests. It's maybe the worst Meryl Street performance I've ever seen, actually. Well, um, that's the weird thing about the movie,
1: is that like it feels like it's just like the last third of a movie that like you didn't see the beginning of. Where Mm -hmm. like all these characters were developed And their relationships unfolded Or maybe like this is the last episode of like a six episode Miniseries Yeah exactly So like I feel like it could have been a good performance I just didn't see the first Five sixths of it
0: I felt that her entire performance Was basically Mock Exasperation over responding To questions she didn't quite hear like, someone in the other room being like, hey, can you do this? And she's like, oh, yeah, and I did. Like, yep. 25 times. Right. Like, Why are you choosing to speak in a half octave higher than your speaking voice?
1: Well, there's, like, that 10-minute scene where Jeff Bridges comes in. Or, no, Jeff Daniels, not Jeff Bridges. Um Jeff Daniels comes in, and there's, like, no explanation for the first nine out of, like, the ten minutes, like, who he is. Right. So, and they kept keep saying things like, and there you are, like a ghost. <laughs> you know what happened upstate, <laughs> you know? I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Just tell me. Like, give me anything. <laughs> anything at all. And oh, I still no. am, like, a little
0: bit unclear about, like, what happened
1: upstate.
0: And the Philip Glass soundtrack... Oh my god
1: I was reading the Stephen Holden New York Times review And he was just like And the exquisite score Like only enhance it And it's like give me a break
0: I think I mean That was like it's, a, it's fine to put on like a Soundtrack Spotify playlist But it was like Batman For five straight minutes In a scene where she's just making a cake
1: Right Or like that 30 second zoom in on Julianne Moore's face While it's just like ta
0: da." what
1: else i I just i'm trying desperately to find something like good about this movie did you have anything that you liked about it
0: i think the best part was that i just didn't understand it (laughs) that's the only that's the only thing that's saving it um yeah
1: the thing like my big question and maybe i just missed it is like so the the Julianne Moore and the Meryl Streep narratives are connected but how are they connected to Virginia Woolf other than the fact that Julianne Moore is reading the book Mrs. Dalloway is like the implication of the movie that like because this depressed person wrote this depressed book another depressed person read it and made a third woman inadvertently depressed because of the son she raised like I don't understand hurt people hurt people man
0: yeah i mean I think that I think you're saying it. I'm vaguely interested to see how it like works in the book which won the Pulitzer Prize in right. nineteen ninety nine but yeah it seems like a very tri narrative literary thing that when you just like pop it up on a screen without uh that uh binding that books have <laughs> that it's just kind of like Runs all over, and it's like, Am I supposed to? How right? How well, are these? Part of that related? book
1: was the like the language, and you can't translate like the language of the right. book. Like, I'm sure it was more poetic in prose, and maybe you know. that's like the, the real draw of it. But I mean, like, it's basically three different movies, yeah, and they're all shot like somewhat differently, and they all are in like different time periods all together. So it's like I don't know. It never really like coalesced,
0: for sure. And by the time it gets to all of Merrill I mean Julianne Moore, like, doesn't really talk. And the Kidman, Virginia Wolf line or like stream works because it's old. So I think you understand the stylization of like the delivery, but the present day street. Plot line, the deliver just horribly theatrical. Um, right. In the exchanges with people. Don't
1: tell me what happened upstate. No, please do.
0: <laughs> so, oh, how about my favorite Street Line, um, which is when she, uh, per the beginning of Mrs. Dalloway, goes to the florist shop and promptly exclaims, Flowers!
1: Right. <laughs>
0: Come on. Was Come nice. on with that writing Come
1: on writing i would tell you what my favorite scene was What's that? It was that like you know 90 second sequence Where uh, Nicole Kidman And that dead bird look back And forth at each other <laughs> But this well, is like It brings up the moral question about this Movie is that uh-huh. the fact that like It is well regarded Are we like are we going to stand against these like major critics and even the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences?
0: I don't have any choice. I don't think. Right. Um, You're not going to give it like a polite, good, bad. I don't see how I could. (laughs) I mean, if I was got into an argument with someone who really liked this movie, I would just be like, Explain it to me, please. And I'm gonna sit quietly for like an hour. But everything that I know or feel about like looking for what works and doesn't in movies as objectively as you can, right? Uh, leads me to believe it's bad, bad.
1: <laughs> it might be bad, bad. I started writing poetry because I fell in love and I needed to express my feelings. Chance, shall we dive into the final selection for the evening?
0: You're talking about Howl?
1: I am talking about Howl. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by
0: madness, starving, hysterical, naked. Welcome back to the James Franco show, everyone. Um, Yeah. As discussed last week, this is the 2010, uh, not really a biopic, but just a movie about Allen Ginsberg, the famous beat poet, reading Howl. And James Franco plays Allen Ginsberg. And it is also sort of cut in three between, I think, the public debut of the poem in 1955 in San Francisco. He's actually reading it. And it's kind of like four narratives. I'm going to select. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
1: it's the interview animated
0: visualizations. The interview. Oh my god!
1: The interview clips. um, The
0: him reading it live
1: and the obscenity trial.
0: A couple years later,
1: and mixed with just like sometimes they decided to film one of the like the flashbacks.
0: Let's start simple and maybe maybe positive. How's how's Franco in your mind?
1: Um. Well, Franco, like, clearly didn't realize that Allen Ginsberg was, like, an historical figure. He just thought he was, like, a character that somebody wrote for him.
0: <laughs> but that could result in something interesting. Right. But, like,
1: I feel like Allen Ginsberg, like, you kind of, like, already know what Allen Ginsberg, like, his thing is. Or at least I did. Which is like, what? Getting, like, a liberal arts education. Uh He's like, you've never heard him read Howell, like, in that recording?
0: No, I have. Oh, you're saying, like, you're saying he doesn't sound like him?
1: <laughs> I'm saying he doesn't act like him, like, probably even a little bit. Like, they both write poems, but I don't know. Like, he's really, like, nebishy and, like, kind of quiet, and he's, like, he's weird. Yeah. Whereas, like, James Franco is, like, reading in the same voice that he read from his short story collection at, like, the Upper West Side Barnes & Noble when his book debuted. Yeah. Like, he's not reading it like a nervous, like, sexually ambiguous guy living in the 1950s.
0: Yeah. I think, well, I think this brings up a question. Because I've what you're saying... But I thought I, his performance
1: was, like, was okay.
0: Right. Yeah. It brings up the question of, you don't necessarily want, as an actor, you don't want the person to go in scared and overly reverent of the person that they're playing cuz that doesn't um you know right
1: but I, I just feel like james franco was ultimately like i mean if they were trying to actually portray allen ginsberg like they right. should have cast like literally anyone else
0: okay because yeah. like
1: allen ginsberg is like a funny looking jewish guy right and like james franco is like you know a, a chiseled like mediterranean god in like this movie
0: and that's the thing I think I alluded to at the top. It's weird these these movies have weird moments anyway, um, and need to be shot in a certain way, I think, because otherwise you're gonna get the thing where it's just like, so this like weird person who like was probably kind of antisocial and probably like did not want to appear on camera the the mere fact that we made this movie where they seem to relish in like being attractive and having uh, a camera right. in their face that's weird,
1: right? Yeah, I mean it's it's the James Franco show, which is yeah. that's fine. But he like but yeah, I don't mind. He's it. too cool, is what I'm saying. Like and like I think this movie, well, like what all the the movies. I mean, I guess like the litmus test you can hold them up to is like how much of it is like in the genre of movies about writers, how faithful is it to the writers they're portraying and how much of it is just like myth-making.
0: Right. And, and I feel like this, this one is all myth.
1: definitely like, this is the Sean Penn, Christopher McCandless version of, uh, Allen Ginsberg. Yeah.
0: Oh, but with, uh, so much more animation.
1: Oh my God. So like, Oh, and another thing I really liked about this movie, there were, like, a few moments. The supporting cast is so good, it's so underutilized.
0: Right.
1: Because this movie makes the mistake of thinking listening to someone fucking reading a poem <laughs> is interesting to watch. Like, that's, like, I'm... So a- that's like a major, even if you cut to people respond, like faces of people responding to the poetry, it's still not interesting. It's still someone reading a fucking poem. <laughs> and, but like my favorite part of this movie was like, you know, Don Draper being like, you can sit down. No, you can sit down. Yeah. No, you can sit down to uh, what's her name from Weeds, who was like, again, these people are in it for 30 seconds at most. Right. And then treat Williams like mansplaining poetry was so good.
0: Yeah, well, and first David of all,
1: Strathairn like trying to pretend that he's on the right wing.
0: I like I I found David Strathairn really entertaining because he's just an old scared dude who who doesn't understand Howell, and I think right. there have been many of us who don't understand Howell. We just don't uh, put the writer on trial. Oh, right.
1: okay. But then my favorite supporting character Was Bob Balaban as the judge Who's definitely going to rule in favor Of the more liberal position Would you say that how alt, The poem by Ginsburg is obscene Yes Holy, holy, holy If it has any literary value It's negligible Holy Kerouac, holy Cassidy Who blew and were blown
0: by those. John Hamm definitely shot this entire movie on lunch break from like season Four of Mad Men They were just right. like hair back say lines We'll have you back on set and Here's we'll like a like, turkey we'll sandwich
1: pull out your, To show it's the 50s and not the 60s We'll pull out your pocket square a little bit more
0: Okay to me though The court scene Is the Gets at the fundamental problem of this movie Which I think is
1: Because it's Inherit the wind uh, edited for Democrats <laughs>
0: You have a movie that on one side is for people who have presumably read Howell closely and with great interest and maybe even perhaps taught it in an English class and might think it was cool to see an actor sort of passionately do it in a not very accurate way and and sort of see someone's weird um, visualization of it Through animation that seems to me Like it would appeal to a very specific Type of person but on The courtroom side you Basically have Like this other movie For middle America where It's like what Is poetry and can you Say what you want and is that good And to me those two Things don't Go together at all Interesting yeah Half this movie is for people who adore Howl, and half of it is for people who don't know what it is, but they're completely set apart from each other.
1: But what about someone like me, who's kind of in the
0: middle? I think you should tell us your opinion, and it seems like you didn't like it.
1: I'm going to go as far as to say that this is the worst movie we've watched so far in the podcast.
0: Wow. <laughs> we watched... this movie
1: was excruciating
0: really i had to take a break in the middle and it's almost 90 minutes um
1: but like it's so dumb
0: it's just such
1: pretentious like you know there's it's literally a third of it is animated in like a non-representative way
0: how would you have how would you have cut down the pretentiousness? What would you this have liked? This is
1: not a movie that is like n- needed to be made. Like <laughs> the the biopic of a poem.
0: <laughs> well, not a biopic because it's not a biography. It's just kind of a recitation of a poem.
1: Right, but it's a movie basically about like when you have like it's a Wikipedia article and you scroll down to like the public controversy part of the, pub, <laughs> the and that's what the movie's about.
0: So you uh-huh. like basically
1: read the beginning. It's basically the Wikipedia entry for the poem Howl disambiguation. Uh, and you go through right, like the really like surface level stuff of it including the public controversy leading to Ferlinghetti v. the State of California.
0: I think it gave me hope though. Because in that style of litigation, Noah, we could someday be put on a stand. And someone would be like, hey, is this good? If you say it's not, like, this guy's going to jail. Right. And that could have been us up there. Does this have filmic merit? You
1: professionally shine a light. Um, We need you to just wax, literally wax poetic. for Treat Williams. Are they still making Everwood? Get in this movie. Um. I mean, a film based around the image of someone reading or someone writing is not interesting.
0: It's got the same problem. There are like a few different ideas for movies here. The animation thing, like, just put that shit on YouTube, man, Um, for people who like Howl and have Ginsburg reading it. I'm sure there's something
1: similar already there. If you just like, oh, Howl with like my art. But yeah, I just think this movie was like this had a sort of student film aesthetic to it.
0: Which Franco loved, I'm sure.
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure he loved that he had to buy his own lunch.
0: So I take it this is a bad bad from you. Are we there? I think we're there.
1: Yeah, I think again, this is I think it's bad bad. I mean, I think this is worse
0: than I'm trying to think of what other movies we've watched. You think this is worse than Sphere? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I kind of like, I kind of liked Sphere. I think I gave it bad good initially. Um,
0: uh, I don't remember actually. You think this is worse than Baby Mama? I would watch The Cell again before <laughs> I watched this again. That is insanity.
1: Um, the Cell maybe you'd like pick up something more, but howl like it was unbearable.
0: It's also a bad bad for me, but I just I don't find it particularly offensive I just don't find it very good
1: no I don't think it's like offensive I just think it's like aggressively bad
0: right I guess I'd mean I don't find it to be aggressively bad I just find it to be
1: it's like almost the equivalent of like somebody showing you like their iPhone video of like a reading they went to recently
0: fair to say that all three of these movies um varying levels of failure. Maybe because they are so bookish, they sort of, like, all kind of fail to be movies in different ways. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, none of them have, like, very traditional tropes. Right. Like, this genre is sort of interesting in that regard that, well, the only way, (laughs) well, in my opinion, the only way to tell the story of a writer is by showing them like not writing right but then like Howell was just like well let's do that too because we only have 20 minutes worth of action here <laughs> and so they just went for broke and completely struck out um but the other two were just like interesting showing creative people not being creative right Well, it's a thousand degrees in my apartment, so on behalf of Chance, I'm Noah. This is Be Real Guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us, Be Real Guys, on Twitter, and email us at berealguysgmail.com.
0: You can listen on SoundCloud or iTunes, whatever you prefer, and if you want to be cool, you could also rate us on iTunes, which I was thinking about the other day
1: oh yeah if nope. anyone out there has gotten this far just just take the 30 seconds or whatever it takes edit in like put in your new credit card number like whatever <laughs> just get in there give us a, give us a couple of stars
0: oh man all right well thanks everyone talk to all you right. soon bye bye